You are a captain now. No, I'm not. She is. I'm nothing like her, Michael. She's terrifying. She's, she's like a twisted version of everything I've ever aspired to be. I'm gonna have nightmares about myself now. You don't actually have to be her. But how do I project that strength? I've been trying to understand them better. And Taryn's strength is born out of pure necessity. Because they live in constant fear. Always looking for the next knife aimed at their back. Their strength is painted rust. It's a facade. But you have the strength of an entire crew that believes in you. Fortify yourself with our faith in you. That's what a real captain does. Impressive. Well, let's not keep these assholes waiting. Too much? No. Not here. Here? Welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show, your place for a detailed analysis of each episode of Star Trek Discovery. Now here are your hosts, Sean Ray and Rick Tatro. Hello everyone and welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. My name is Sean Ray and tonight we're going to be talking about the 10th episode of the first season of Star Trek Discovery, which was titled Despite Yourself. It was written by Sean Cochran and directed by Jonathan Frakes. And joining me tonight is my co-host and our resident Trexpert, Rick. How are you, sir? That's Admiral Killy to you, maggot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I meant to open the show with, what the heck, heck hell, heck, heck, hell? <laughs> One of my uh, favorite lines. And my Cosmic Potato co-host, Mr. John Irons. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Uh, just for clarification... Uh, Bawi Guana Weep Nini Bomb is the uh, universal greeting from Transformers the movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, I thought, uh, <laughs> do what? I just forget somehow sometimes that I'm a bigger nerd than other nerds. <laughs> yeah, because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, that's the third show you've said that on, and I um, thank you. I now know what it means. <laughs> And joining us once again is novelist and journalist, Mr. Christopher DeFilippis. How are you? Um, well, Sean, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Glad to have you back. Thank you. I uh, love being here. I love talking about Star Trek, but mostly I love to just bask in the glow of cosmic potato light. <laughs> 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 and it's good to be back. Uh, the the it's uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's been as long as it has. It's been, what, six weeks since uh, the last episode aired? And... Uh, this one, I guess the week just snuck up on me because uh, even my, my wife completely forgot that it was on. And I was like, well, you know, we recorded the, the recap episode the other night. What would you think we were doing that for? But uh, so episode 10 marks the beginning of I'm kind of saying it's like chapter two of this season. Uh, the Klingon War is still happening, but the discovery has effectively been removed from that conflict for the time being. Uh, we got a few of the answers that we've been waiting to hear, and we'll get into all that. 
But uh, let's just kind of uh, go around the virtual table and just give a quick thumbs up, thumbs down for this episode. Rick? I, I got to say, they did a couple of things that I absolutely did not want them to do and made me love it, god damn it. <laughs> 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 uh, I you know I just like five minutes ago finished watching it for a second time and I'm ready to watch it again. You know how we keep saying with each episode. I think this was my favorite of the se- of the season. Um, I you know I am on record as not being a fan of Mirror Universe shows at all, and this just knocked it out of the park. This was, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> well, what? Yeah, so you were on record on the show as saying that you hope that they're going to either maybe another time or maybe a parallel universe, but not the mirror universe. That's what I was hoping. Yeah. So what did you think when you heard the words Terran empire? As soon as, as soon as I saw the symbol. Yeah. Which by the way, I kind of dig the rework of the symbol. Um, the, the, the logo rather, whatever. Uh, I, 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 discovery has given me a history of going, don't do that. Oh, you did it. All right. Because, you know, when they first announced it was a prequel, I was like, oh, all right. And then, you know, then there was just kind of this this domino effect of, are you going to? Oh, okay. But so I wasn't I wasn't going to go. All right. Well, damn it. At least Frakes wasn't lying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then as the episode went on and it just got better and better and better. Uh, and, and we'll talk about the specifics of better as we go on but uh that it it totally sold me well chris what did you think i'm gonna give it uh two thumbs way up except for the fact that it seemed too short i was waiting for something more to happen and the entire episode went by so quickly i think that's how much i was enjoying it Mm. it felt like we were still in maybe the second act which i guess speaks to the the pacing of the storytelling uh, out of the gate for the second half. And I kind of like that. Uh, there were things that obviously were telegraphed from almost the very beginning that came to fruition. And we'll discuss all of that, but boy, to go back to the mirror universe, well, and do it the way they did it. Um, I, I think they just knocked it out of the park. And I have a, not a love hate relationship. I'm not like Rick. I don't hate the mirror universe, but sometimes I think it's not used well. And ironically enough, the place where I think it was used least well was on DS9, which is my favorite Star Trek series, you know, after TOS. And I was afraid that, oh, wow. DS9, when, when they did Mirror Universe, they always played it for camp. And it was always, like, so over-the-top melodramatic on purpose that yeah. it would take you out of the story. This, they, they played it completely serious. This is this is Mirror Universe from TOS uh, on steroids. And... I really like that that they they treated it with gravity and with reverence and not just as a smirky aside. And I, I don't know where, where we're going from here, but it seems like they're going to be spending some time there. And God, I hope we get to see the Defiant. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, what did you think? Uh, I enjoyed it very much. I can't say I loved it because some things happened that I did not love. <laughs> but but it's not because they did them poorly. Um, I I I made audible noises watching this series, watching this episode. Um, 
like two squeals and a shriek, I think. I said <laughs> a bad word. <laughs> at, at various, yeah, oh yeah, I said that too. <laughs> so yeah, so um, like the first, like uh, t- Tilly, <laughs> can, Tilly, Tilly becoming I... Captain Tilly for the first time, like uh, trying to be evil Tilly was hilarious. Uh, but is real. Is that a squeal or a shriek? That was a, that was a squeal. Can we hear that squeal? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> you should pray to whatever god you follow that you never hear that squeal. <laughs> I will get that squeal out of you one day, John. <laughs> it feels like a that's what she said moment, but also not. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what is it? Was it a girly scream, Mulder? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second was also a good moment, and the last was a not good moment. Um, but of course, as you say, we'll we'll discuss all of that. You know, I was I was saying before the show that normally I, I do a you know like a little summary recap or or uh, just a uh, a plot summary of the episode, but I really couldn't do that one. I couldn't do that for this one because literally from the first moment, it's a spoiler. Yeah, it's hard you to know? talk about the episode at all without giving something away. But uh, so yeah, we'll move into. I mean, just gen- overall, I thought it was a, a great episode. It was a solid episode, and uh, and yeah, they answered some questions, and some of the answers that we got were answers that we predicted, but the way that they did them was just you know. They did them right, you know. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say. I like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so yeah, we found out. Uh, just moving into the episode, we found out where they went, you know, because we had um, we had ideas that well, maybe they went to another uh, time period, you know, maybe they went way 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 back in the past, maybe they went way way far into the future or something. But, uh, no, they went to a parallel dimension, and not just a parallel dimension, they went to the Mary Universe that we were introduced to in, uh, the original series. So, um... That must be, like, the universe, like, right next door to us or something. Well, you know... Okay, so you know William Shatner wrote, quote-unquote wrote, you know, he... Yeah, he he ghost wrote some uh, some novels. He was some Star Trek in the novels. room when it happened. Yeah, yeah, right. He wrote about. Uh, he asked Judith and Garfield Reed Stevens if he could get them some tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he he wrote some uh, about six Star Trek novels, and they were kind of arranged into trilogies. So like two trilogies, and one of them is like a Dark Mirror trilogy, and. In one of those novels, they explained that, uh, so you've got the multiverse, kind of like we is explained to us just about every week on The Flash. You've got the multiverse where all these universes are are all over the place. But in, in this specific uh, instance, there are two universes that run parallel to one another. And, and wherever one of them goes, the other one goes with it. And they, you know, so... It's, it's prime universe and mirror universe are right next to each other so it's it's very easy to cross from one to the other whereas it's Which is a little more part difficult. of the problem I have with yeah these further episodes because it, if you don't mind my interrupting for just a second oh, I haven't read ahead. those books um, and also folks I apologize for my froggy sound I'm I'm 
fighting a, a cold. So you almost um, sound like Kennedy. Um, in mirror mirror when they're trying to get back uh from the mirror universe to to our universe scotty very clearly says if we don't punch through this barrier now using all the power this ship can generate we won't be able to punch through for a millennium or something along those lines um and then all of a sudden DS9 and Chris, I totally agree with you. I didn't dislike the mirror universe until DS9 started making it like every other day. We've got someone coming through. Yeah, yeah it was like funny a, because like it was very fluid. They were, yeah, they what? Well, yeah, what, what they did was they had people coming from the mirror universe seeking asylum too. It was uh, yeah, it was really weird. And everybody in the mirror universe seemed to be a lesbian in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it was just... It, Even it, O'Brien, which was crazy. I mean. Right? I mean, <laughs> was, it, was he smiley then? <laughs> That's why he was so goddamn smiley. Um, but, but uh, <clears throat> you know, and so now all of a sudden, you know, in DS9, it's it's no problem to go back and forth, uh, which that bothered me. The, the fact that the, you know... Mirror Mirror, I always thought, worked great as a one-off episode. It was very much, you know, a great science fiction concept, you know, great kind of golden age of sci-fi short story sort of idea um, that doesn't bear very close scrutiny. But, you know, you're not supposed to. It's more about the ideas and stuff, and then you move on. But the more they kept going back there and the more everybody we know is exactly in the same place, just completely different. Mm -hmm. The logic to make that work got so twisted and tortured. I just couldn't deal with it anymore. At least in this episode, uh, we got, you know, sort of a bit of a hand wavy explanation for it, but at least there was some addressing of it. Well, but why don't we address that hand wavy explanation? Because I think Lorca just chalked it up to fate. Yeah. Well, destiny is, was was what he said. yeah. Yeah. And that's not exactly an explanation. That's just supposition. Yeah, but it, it, I, uh, well, well, we I still know think Lorca knows. knows more about this right. than than he's letting on. Right. Oh yeah, I've got <laughs> I've got theories about Lorca that, that we'll <laughs> we'll get into. I'm sure. But um, but yeah, I mean, I like the way that that they got the information about the universe that they ran because it. They very easily could have said, okay, we have to capture a character from this other ship and get a data dump from him or whatever to tell us where we are and and what this universe is about. But the whole idea of going and getting that, basically that uh, memory card from from the other ship so that they could analyze it. And once they get that on the ship, then basically they can just Google whatever they want. (laughs) You know, because it's got all of the information from that universe on it, you know, so, or, you know, a a lot of information. So that's when they were able to get the patterns for all those communicators and and the the uniforms that they needed and all that kind of stuff. That that scene also served the dual purpose of of showing that um, uh, Tyler was starting to slip. Mm -hmm. So that that, that was, was, yeah, I, I agree. It was, it was a, well incorporated way to get the exposition. That was a weird thing because Saru had his threat ganglia come out when Ash walked onto the bridge. Right. Now Ash has walked past Saru a thousand times and and we've never seen those threat ganglia come out when he's around. But had had it he was point, he was semi activated at that point. Yeah. Exactly. Had had she tried to activate him in the brig at that she, point it failed. 
I don't. Or, we, no, or did that no, come no, out? No. This was before this that, ap- but it was after the flashes that he had in the last episode. So he was already starting to to come apart a little bit. Yeah, it, it was. This was. This was after the "What did you do to me?" But before the code word. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I did like how they how they got that information, and they also bridged the gap between Enterprise and TOS with this episode because, and I'm and Rick, you'll remember this better than I do, but in the, in the Tholian web, the Defiant disappeared, and yeah. in the Enterprise mirror episode that they had, the Defiant appeared in the past in the mirror universe, yeah, right. right? So, and that's what they're referring mm-hmm. to. On uh, on this episode, so it kind of bridges all that stuff together. And I thought I thought that was a pretty cool touch. And ironically, oh, I, I maybe I don't know if ironically is the right word, but I loved a mirror the through a mirror darkly. Yeah. Uh, my just, my favorite episode of Enterprise, even though it has the worst acting, Scott Bakula <laughs> can he just cannot play a bad guy. Well, you know yeah, what that yeah. that was kind of my problem with Enterprise in general is I like Bakula. He's Seems like one of the nicest guys on Earth from all reports. I just don't think he can act very well as anyone other than the Don Quantum Leap. Yeah, yeah. He, no, Sam was the role he was born to play. I mean, he just fits perfectly in that role, and it's hard not to see him as Sam. Um, I thought he was fine as Archer, but when he was trying to be evil Archer in that one, it just came across as him really trying to act and not doing a very good job, which is so unlike Scott Bakula, in, in my experience. Yeah. Um, that being said... I, about two years ago, rewatched all of the Mirror Universe episodes. I guess it was on the heels of my DS9 rewatch, and I wanted to see sort of the progression of the universe in series in order. And I think hands down, well, maybe not hands down, maybe equal with TOS Mirror Mirror, In a Mirror Darkly is, is the best Mirror Universe episode. Yeah. Because they, they just did such an interesting thing with it, with it, with it, and we got to see the Constitution class starship in, uh, you know, in glorious color in HD. So, yeah. Have you ever seen the uh, Star Trek Continues Mirror Universe episode? I know I did because I watched them all, but yeah, hell if I can remember it. It was pretty cool. It, it kind of picked yeah. up exactly. I mean, like right after, uh, right after Kirk beamed out at the end of Mirror Mirror. It kind of picked up right there, so, and it was it was completely in the mirror universe. I don't even think it had any prime universe characters in it. It was in the mirror universe, just showing no. the the ramifications of what had happened in Mirror Mirror. So, right. um, okay, so so in this episode, they need to figure out how the Defiant got into the mirror universe and got out because they don't have the spore drive right now because Stamets is going crazy. And uh, and they need to replicate what the how the Defiant got out. So the idea is go to that universe's version of the Shinzu. Which we'll, I mean, we'll talk about it a little more in detail. But go to uh, the Shinzu and get uh, information from their computer about the Defiant. If I understood that correctly. Here's the funny thing, though, is because they're, they're thinking about it, the, the logic behind that for them makes sense in universe but we know as viewers that the defiant just was in a wonky area of space mm-hmm. where i guess the border between the universe is where where it slipped between and somehow temporarily so if 
they go back, are they going to have temporal displacement if, if they if they use that area of space to return to their universe? Um, I, I just don't see how getting the Defiance records is going to help them figure a way back unless it just says, go, go here, go, go to this pothole in the continuum. Yeah, because and maybe you'll be able to sneak through because the Defiant didn't just slip over into the other universe. It slipped over and went back in time. Right, right. So. And I mean, that was just a conceit so that they could get it on Enterprise. Um, I don't know but, how much sense that makes for the crew of the Discovery in their quest. What they need is Scotty's intermix formula or whatever yeah. it was, and a, and a good ion storm. You which know? could which, which could be the answer as to why we've never heard of the spore drive before. Because maybe when they leave the mirror universe, they get transported to another point in time, and and nobody ever sees or hears from them again. <laughs> or they go to the future. Yeah, or if, so, yeah. if going one way sends you back. Uh, hundred years or whatever, maybe going forward since you, you know, post next generation time. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That would but be. I have I have a theory that will explain all of this. Go for it, Rick. Um, Lorca doesn't give a shit about getting back to the Prime Universe because he's he is the Lorca from the Mirror Universe. He wants the Defiant to continue his quest to destroy the Emperor, and he's using the crew of the of the Discovery to make that happen. Because if you notice, uh, Burnham was interpreting the data from the from the Vulcan uh, data crystal thingy, and she's got all this information. And then Lorca's like, "Oh, hey, by the way, I found this partial bit that look, this ship might be able to help us." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, the the theory that Lorca was from was trying to get home has has I've been unable to get that out of my head. And I think more and more now that we now that the the piece that was missing was he didn't seem evil enough to be like part of the the empire. But if he's the one trying to take the empire down, uh, then this all makes perfect sense. Yeah, and stuff started kind of dropping huh. into place for me when they when when Burnham started telling the telling uh, Lorca about why they don't have counterparts in that universe. So what she says is that um, she tried to she, she tried to capture Lorca. Am I am I saying yes, that correctly? She, she, and then yeah, he, she was and then he killed well, probably her. Kill, but yes. yeah, he killed her and or or she's missing and presumed dead and yes. uh, and he's a fugitive. So my head cannon, my theory. Is that the the accident that happened, or the attack on the Baran still happened in this universe? And I think that Lorca survived that and somehow got transported to the Prime Universe, where the Lorca from the Prime Universe died, and he just took his place. And the reason that he is so adamant that nothing happened to that to Burnham is because he needs her for some reason to do something with the, uh, with the emperor. Mm. I did something hmm. that only Burnham can do. I don't know what, you know, I didn't get that far, but something that only Burnham can do. Well, his cover he... story doesn't, his cover story doesn't work without Burnham. Yeah. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Like he can't get anywhere near anybody unless Burnham is taking him there. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that really works as something you could premeditate though. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. It seems like it, it, now you're getting into Star Wars level coincidence <laughs> yeah. to have the plot. And I, I just, I think that that would be a colossal misstep unless they somehow manage to make it make sense. Because then you basically, so what do we have? Like a Harrison Wells, Eobard Thawne situation going on here? That Lorca was never who he said he was from the beginning? Yeah. But he's he's the central or, you know, one of the central characters of the show. Well, he's still and, Lorca. Just well, he's the central No, no, no. I, 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 I get that. But I don't I mean, to have this entire series be about his machinations to get back to a mirror universe that we really don't care about, except maybe tangentially when you're invested in the prime universe and this Klingon war and what's going to happen to the Federation we know and love. I, I, do, do we well, want you know this what? detour? Honestly, I'm not that I'm not invested, but I'm kind of not invested in in uh, because I know what's going to happen because it's a prequel. So I know, you know, I I I I know the path that the Prime Universe follows because I've seen the other shows, well, most of the other shows. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm more interested in following the Discovery than following the Prime Universe. Yeah, and I and I also think that we we just assume when we start talking about the mirror universe, we we just assume that everybody from the mirror universe is an evil version of everybody from the prime universe. But if Discovery has taught us one thing, is that none of these characters are a hundred percent good or a hundred percent bad. There, there, there's good and bad in everybody. So hmm. even if he's a mirror universe version of Lorca, that doesn't mean that he's evil. You know, he just may be a little more evil <laughs> than, than the other Lorca would have been. He's, he's seen some things. Yeah. Um, think, think I, about I, what, spe- what, there's an evil spectrum. <laughs> I, I guess. But think about what Spock said at the end of uh, Mirror Mirror when Kirk asked how did you find out that it wasn't us. And he said, you being civilized men, it was easy for you to act like barbarians. But them being barbarians, they, they, they couldn't pull off you know, our civilized way of life yeah, or, you know, something to that effect. And I I know, yes, it's very simplistic and Lork is smarter and probably a lot more canny than Spock paints the people in the mirror universe. I just, maybe it's just me really, really not liking this idea, not liking this, this possible path that the show might take. Uh, Apparently I'm in a minority. Oh, I'm not saying I like it. I just think that's where they're going. That's where, at least that's how this would make sense to me. I don't think you know. I mean, yeah. If they could get on the Defiant and then they just go, "Hey, let's go through that hole in space right there," and suddenly we're home, I'll be very disappointed. Uh, but I you know, I thought, I just had another thought that you know they they say that when the Discovery moved over into the Mirror Universe that they replaced the ISS Discovery. So exactly. Yeah. If there's always a replacement, if whoever, like, if I go over there then automatically my mirror version comes back to the prime universe then uh then maybe maybe prime universe lorca is not dead like i said before maybe they maybe they swapped and now they've swapped back and so prime universe lorca is back where he's supposed to be but it's not always a swap because in ds9 we had people coming and going all the time and yeah like, and quark would say aren't i'm dead over there right you know that was spoiler but uh well, yeah, yeah. If, you, if your counterpart's dead, then you can't swap. <laughs> then you can't. Yeah, but they, they they never swapped anyway in DS9. It was just a matter of going back and forth between the universes, and it would be more like a slider situation. You could run into yourself, right? 
um, rather than the swap. But they did implicitly say that the discovery, the ISS discovery, switched places. So yeah, what I'd like to do is maybe next week be well, no, because they, they're sticking with the Burnham of the uh, coming attractions or any. But I'd like to see one episode where the ISS is just, you know. In the, middle in, of the, in the middle of the Klingon in the middle war. of the yeah. war and probably like committing atrocities and just bringing it you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because they don't care <laughs> I, I personally hope that we meet um, alternate Burnham and she's exactly the same <laughs> but she has a beard no, right. She has appeared, and, and she actually smiles well, once we, in a while. We know Sarek is going to have a goatee because we saw that in the uh, in the commercial. Now that I I just I I didn't have a chance. It didn't occur to me to freeze it. Was that Sarek? Yeah, it was Sarek. It was Sarek. Yeah. Okay, because I thought was that Spock? No. And no, then no. I said that to my wife. She goes, "No, it's Sarek." It's like, oh, all right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, and we got a glimpse of an Andorian too. So I'm curious to see what the character design is going to look like if they change the Andorians as radically as they changed the Klingon. Well, the, you know, yeah. they had said when they were doing some pre-production stuff, they kind of they they leaked some pictures, and there was some. It almost looked like Andorian antennas that were orange. Yeah. Uh, but this was, you know, a year or so ago that that came out. So I'm wondering if there are different colors of Andorians and stuff now, which would make sense. Now, look, I mean, there's there's different colors of people, so why why not? <laughs> now I do. Well, have they, a made, they made white, you know, glacially white Andorians in Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. So right. there was there was blue and there were white. So why not orange? I have a quibble. Okay. So they, one? they, well, <laughs> one big one. <laughs> so they 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 show up in this other universe, and Burnham says, "All of the quantum signatures are wrong," and Lorco's like, and she goes, "Everything resonates at a quantum signature, and you can't change that until I change ours to match everything that's here." Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that did happen. <laughs> well, see, I interpreted that as. Not that she actually changed the fundamental nature of the matter that they occupy, but that she, you know, altered the the frequency that it trans like the readout, yeah, yeah, like like it's, you know, she's she sent out false signals. Yeah, my I problem don't buy with it. that she's she's a witch. She's a witch. She's, <laughs> she's a witch. <laughs> my problem with that was if everything in this universe is vibrating one way and you're vibrating another way, shouldn't you like explode or something? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but that you makes would be sense able to But they needed some quick way for them to realize that they weren't home, and it was <laughs> your handy heaping of exposition right there. Yeah, right, with your that's... Star Trek techno babble, and just now let's move on, John Irons. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know they... what? Rick opened this door. How come I get yelled at for stepping through? I it? know. I know <laughs> yeah, let's well, move on, Rick. <laughs> and, and and what of Lazarus? Exactly. <laughs> I used to like that episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, they find out pretty quickly that uh, everybody has uh, kind of a counterpart, but they're not in the same positions that they are in their world, and they find out that uh, Tilly is actually supposed to be the captain of the Discovery. So Tilly got her wish, because she said in episode three or four that she always wanted to be a captain. Well, now she gets to be the captain. And, uh, and, and that scene, I just watched the episode again, a few minutes before the, the podcast, that episode makes me laugh. <laughs> I mean, when she sits down in that chair and she starts, um, 
and she starts trying to talk over the, you know, over the communicator and everything with the guy. What, yeah. the, what the heck? Heck? heck hell? 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 <laughs> All that. Just hold your horses. Yeah, hold your horses. horses. <laughs> and then when she said, let me hand it over to my chief engineer and Lorca starts speaking with a Scottish accent, <laughs> that made me laugh too. So uh, Yeah. Well, I got to say, this episode was a tour de force for Mary Wiseman. Not, not that, I mean, she is just... The character I thought I would despise the most, and she's just so amazing every time. Her, her, she's just wonderful. I, I, I wish I could be more articulate about it, but I just everything she does is so real and so believable, uh, you know. And I love how she switches from, you know, the 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 Slayer of Sorella or whatever, right to was was that good enough? Did I suck? Was that good? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like she does that so well. It's amazing. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the, the the change in the look was striking, and uh, I don't know if I preferred. It's almost like, do you like Sandy before the makeover or after the makeover <laughs> at the end of Greece? And I, I was always a fan of Sandy before the makeover. So, and I, I like Tilly sort of before the makeover, but it is a sharp look. And Rick, I, I think what you're speaking to is is that she's so well written because she could have just been this show's version of a Wesley Crusher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not 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 to dump on Will Wheaton, but I mean the character dynamic for Wesley was always you know I, I don't know it it was always sort of subservient and and second second string. Whereas Tilly, they give her that sort of that nerdy streak, but it's only because she's she's I guess a little bit introverted, a little bit shy, but. You know, in the party scene, uh, she's she she really she comes out of her shell, and when she's dropping f bombs, and even in this one, which is like, let's go let's go talk to those assholes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can tell like it, it's there, it's there. She just she just keeps it in check because she's just not that sure of herself. But as soon as she gains some some seasoning and some confidence, she will be she will be a force to be reckoned with. And I love that they tease that for you every once in a while while still keeping that that golly shucks ho hum yeah. aspect of the character and it doesn't get annoying which is the most i mean you got it, that's all Mary Wiseman because yeah. the way this character is written like you said you're supposed to hate her or anyway you, it would almost be unavoidable i think in the hands of a lesser actress or actor so yeah hats off hats yeah, off because every time every time she talks I start laughing. I mean, she's. I'm sixty. I'm sixty percent excited and forty percent terrified. Actually, forty <laughs> yeah. percent. But uh, okay, so let's talk about Ash. So Ash Tyler goes to see Laurel in the brig, and uh, try to get some answers. And she says a Klingon prayer to Kalis that makes him start having visions. And I interpreted it as Vox's voice was coming out of his it mouth. Sure as hell was Vox's voice. Yeah, which to me. <laughs> Answer some question as to whether or not that what, what was his name Javad Iqbal or whatever whether that guy actually existed because I say that Shazid uh, Latif was playing both characters from the very beginning and uh, but anyway Obviously, yeah. uh, Laurel doesn't know what to do because her Manchurian candidate trigger didn't work and uh, he he goes to sick bay to get Colbert to find out what's wrong with him. And Colbert tells him that he has been through some kind of an experiment where his bones have been shortened, his spine has been shortened, and uh, his organs have kind of been moved around, and another personality has been laid over his personality. So, I had a theory in, at the beginning that Vox's personality had been put into Ash, but it looks like Ash's personality was put 
and this is Vox body. He's been made to look human, and then they mm-hmm. put a fake or another person's personality in his mind to kind of hide him or whatever because he needed mm-hmm. to, yeah, he think, needed to sound like he was from Seattle. <laughs> you know? I think but, that's exactly it. I mean, every all, all indications point to that because she said to him in the second episode or whatever, they're going to completely take away everything that you've ever known or something like that. Yeah. You know, you 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 yeah. will you'll you die, but everything. you'll be reborn. I don't remember what it was, but she said you'll yeah. have to you'll have to sacrifice everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, obviously he did, and uh, again, I like the fact that he doesn't know that he's Vok, and I think that in other Star Treks we've seen this would have been sort of the turning point and he would have been, he would have become Vok. But I, I like, I like the fact that they're making it uh, more of a difficult transition for him because it speaks to, uh, again, the depth of character that they want to build in this show. It's, it's not just this black or white on or off. It's, it's lot, lots of shades of gray and not in a bad way. Well, it almost makes me wonder if, because you're, you're, I, I'm assuming that, Vok is eventually going to win out and he's going to take over. But I, I kind of wonder if in the end Ash will win out and Ash will continue to be a character on this show after this season. And Vok and well, Vok will be gone, you know. Well the thing is Vok will never look like Vok again. He'll always be Ash because right. of the way they changed him. It's not like he's just going to spring back. Um unless they pull some transporter hijinks or something. But uh, He's he's stuck for better or for worse. I think that what you're going to see is that he's going to be Ash slash Vok. I think he's going to bring sensibilities and part of his his arc going forward, whether it be wrapped up this season or an ongoing thing for the next few seasons, is him at war with those two halves of himself and trying to 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 bring them to terms, trying to make peace with them. Um, I don't know what it does for his character though practically during a war i mean if they find out yeah. that he is agent provocateur well that's the end of his career but so it, it 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 tells me that in order to keep this a viable character ongoing that only burnham is going to know about it and it's going to be a struggle that 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 he that he has to deal with and then what do you do with laurel I, i'm really curious to see how they're going to play that out yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting but uh Colbert tells him that he can't go on the away mission. He's not himself, and Tyler effortlessly snaps Colbert's neck and kills him right there. And I yelled a bad word at that point. Yeah, yeah that was my third squeal. That surprised episode. me. And it's not like we haven't seen what we thought were major characters in this show die already. It's happened at least twice before. But this one surprised me because I just did not expect Tyler to go to to that level that quickly and just snap somebody's neck, you know, which I mean was instinct for him. He wasn't, you know, he's not a murderer. He's just, you know, it was just something that it just came out. It just happened. Do do you think Tyler knows that he no. did it? No, he doesn't. Yeah, because when he showed up, no, I mean, I'm saying no, no, he doesn't know because when he showed up uh, in the transporter room, and the captain asked him, where have you been? He said, I don't really know. <laughs> you know. And so. the only other person in the room was Stamets, and right. he probably didn't see what happened. Well, uh, he, I think he might not have seen it like with his eyes, but I think he knows what happened. And I think that kind of the only way to explain the situation, I, I think, 
Valk Tyler um, maybe placed him in because no one would question that Stamets, who is out of his mind and super strong for some reason, might have killed him by accident because mm. we, we see him cradling his body. Yeah. And, and if I walked in and saw that, I was like, oh, shit, he's killed him. Yeah. I, I don't. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, you, I don't you know talk about how, the commercial at the end where they show in the it. next week's episode where they yeah. show, oh yeah, they show Stamets sitting there holding him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I mean, don't, I mean, just going by previous series, the original series um, was always guilty of this, is there always seems to be a lot of surveillance all across the ship where they can call up records of what happened someplace at a precise moment. Yeah. So, I can't imagine that they won't do that in this case at some point because it's just too implausible that they wouldn't. Right. That's why I asked how how conscious is he because oh, if he was, then he would have wiped those records. Because he is the chief mm. of security. Right. Right. I, that's the As one I said, thing he knows bought. everybody's passwords. Yeah, and he can and he can, I guess, clear the brig so that he can speak to. Uh, uh, Lorel. I just said her name before. Yeah, Laurel. Um, so, so I well, I said, okay, that's not really a glitch in continuity because he's got the authority to say, I'm going to interrogate the prisoner, go stand, watch outside, or whatever. You know, make yourself scarce. But, but still, I, I don't see that being a mystery for that long. Even if yeah, at first they say, oh, did same. Tyler do it? And what is it with Tyler? Get uh, not Tyler. Um, Stamets getting this super strength all of a sudden where he can throw you across the room. It, well, that, well, uh, Culber said he was having uh, adrenal spikes. Okay. But, right. but, but still, I mean, what is he, is he turning into the Hulk? I mean, well, it's kind of the, you know, mother lifts car off of trap baby sort of thing. And then has to like go to the doctor because she's shredded every tendon in her, in her shoulders sort of stuff. Well, I'm, I was assuming that uh, Stamets is being transformed in some way. And that's why he's in this catatonic state or whatever. He's Something is happening to him and the, and he's getting some kind of powers coming from the mycelium network that he's tapped hmm. into. But, so he's he's a mycelium Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. I would like that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, because when, when I saw the eyes in the in the uh, last episode, you know, I was I was kind of thinking Gary Mitchell is he gonna mm-hmm. is he gonna gonna have godlike powers now? But uh, my second squeal of the night, for the record, was the uh, was that he awakened him with a kiss. It was so fairy tale. It was so lovely. <laughs> yeah. For yeah, that, and he did I wake up. His, his eyes turned normal for a minute, and then he said something crazy and went back. <laughs> he said, "No, he said the enemy is here. Yeah, the Be enemy careful. is here, and he was right. Yeah. The enemy was right behind. Him, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Okay, so um, should have been more specific. So they they go, yeah exactly yeah the enemy is is there not his, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Tyler is like, the enemy like look over your shoulder whoops <laughs> Be careful. Be careful. Don't He's be right there. Tyler. <laughs> Maybe if you would, can you point to the enemy? okay so they go on a mission to the shinzo uh burnham is playing the mirror version of herself as uh someone who's trying to take back control of her ship and the man who is in charge now is the mirror image of one of the bridge officers that died in the battle at of the binary stars well he was the guy that got sucked out yeah as he was talking to her through the force field right yeah. And, oh, that was that dude. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Now he tries to kill her, 
but uh, she kills him, and uh, and the doors open, and his dead body falls on the floor, and the bridge crew just applaud. <laughs> Slow clap, golf yeah, clap. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, and she takes her place as the captain of the bridge, and then uh, a few minutes later, they show her and um, Tyler, and they look like they're about to get busy. And that's that's the one thing my my, my wife kind of looked at because I watched it with her the second time, and she looked at me and was like, "They're gonna do it at the same time that Lorca is being tortured." That's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> but Lorca is being tortured. Have we ever seen an agonizer booth before? I know we've oh heard, yeah we've heard yeah that in the original yeah. series. Okay, they put Chekhov, Chekhov got put into it after that, trying to off right. Kirk. That's right. Yeah. So they put him in one of those, and it looked pretty bad. <laughs> Which you know, Lorca is uh, is whatever his mission is, he's dedicated to. It if he's going to allow himself to be put into a basically into hell like that, <laughs> yeah. What what choice does he have? Yeah. What choice does he have? Right. Um. Now, did anybody think? And because the way the show is written, I thought that Burnham might blow it. And uh, again, testament to Sonequa Martin Green's acting and the way that they wrote some of the nuance in, because you could tell that she was she was losing it. Yeah. When she when she got onto the bridge, she held her salute out, you know, a little too long because yeah. she was so distracted by the fact that this, you know, living dead person is standing in front of her who she blames herself for killing. Mm-hmm. And and you could tell that she's traumatized in the elevator when she has to knife him in the guts. I, I mean, I, I thought it was terrific because, like, again, a lot of these shows, it would just be a fight and, you know, Kirk would sock him in the jaw. And if they had murder in Star Trek, the original series slash him in the guts, and then he'd leap out onto the bridge and take command. Whereas this is a, a horrible event for Burnham to go through, and you can tell it's going to affect her. Not only that uh, she killed him, but in, I guess now in her mind she had to kill him twice. Yeah. It, yeah, it was just a neat little, a neat little twist. In, in, in an episode that really could have been nothing but um, a, a ham-fisted bag of fan service, Right. Because, yay, we're in the mirror universe. They really kept it centered on the characters and how the characters would act and their, their character arcs for this show. Not just, um, you know, Goatee Spock or, or, or any anything that you could think of as a callback. You know, it, it could have just been a lot of really bad callbacks. Yeah, and I like well, that they you know, a lot of, uh, you know, ahead. 90% of that... Go ahead. I'm sorry. 90% of the credit for that goes to the writers, of course, but I think we've got to give Jonathan Frakes some credit here, too. Yeah, I was just going to say, that scene where they where they beam over and basically they don't move, but the like there's a flash and then and you see you're on the other ship. Mm. I'm like, why has no one ever done that before? That was beautiful. Yeah. That was fantastic. That was cool. Yeah. It also shows you how uh, adroit they are redressing the same set. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the dimensions were just a little too perfect. Unless yeah. those transporter pads come in a kit and they just install them. You know? Um, so much uh, but yeah, it was, it was, a, neat, it was a neat little touch. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I like that they didn't feel the need to show us everybody's counterpart. Because uh, that's one thing that you run into on sci-fi shows where they travel to another universe. Well, we've got to meet everybody's counterpart, and we've got to see how different they are. We didn't meet Colbert's counterpart. We didn't meet Stamets counterpart. We didn't meet uh, Saru's counterpart. You know that that kind of. Well, stuff. we wouldn't meet Saru's counterpart. Yeah, I was, I was going to say I'm pretty sure Saru's dead. He's and meat. 
Yeah. Yeah. Drew <laughs> yeah. has been has been effectively preyed upon. Did did any of y'all watch After Trek last night? Yeah. I, uh, for, I did for the first time. I didn't yeah. because it was it was weird because I didn't I usually don't watch After Trek live. Um and for some reason, it didn't populate on my, on my menu later. So the last episode that it was showing me was from six weeks ago. So you know what? I never got to see it. I, I made the same mistake. It says episode nine. We're on episode 10. But it is episode nine for After Track because they did the first two shows together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I was doing the same thing. I was looking for episode 10. I was like, okay, I guess it hasn't oh, appeared yet or something. Well, then I guess but, it was right yeah. in front of me and I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I, I, did, I did the same thing. They've made some improvements, definite improvements. They, uh, they got rid of... <laughs> no, unfortunately. Well, he, he was better. And I think we're just getting used to him. I don't think he's changed no, at all. No, he, I got to um, tell you guys, I, I, I know Matt Meyer from a podcast. I told you about this before, and he never especially annoyed me. Uh, oh, my God. On that after truck last night, it was just like, dude, dial it back. Just a, yeah, you know that's that's been the, the whole two. yeah yeah. I mean, I like Matt Myra. I like him on the Nerdist and uh, and things like that. But uh, for some reason, on after truck when he's sitting there talking to the Star Trek celebrities, which I mean, I'm I'm a fan, I'm a fanboy. I would probably do the same thing if I was talking to some of these uh, celebrities. But you know, you're on a TV show. You gotta calm down a little bit. <laughs> But uh, they've they've eliminated the the uh, the the real time interactions, which I think were really slowing the show down anyway. Uh, and also, it also means that you can pick it up because I, I I had a problem with my tablet. I I we watch it on TV through the through uh, my Chromecast, uh, yeah. so I'm throwing it up from my tablet. And just as Burnham walked into her quarters at that that last scene, my tablet died. Mm. And and then we're trying to get it, and you know. Finally got to see the last few minutes of the episode, but wasn't until after 9.30. And prior to the hiatus, if you didn't catch After Trek when it started, you couldn't like go back and watch it from the beginning. You had to either jump it in the middle or wait until it, it showed up the next day. Uh, and so I was like, oh, God, you know, some of them, I was saying a lot of bad words. Um, <laughs> but I was like, all right, screw it. I'll jump in. You know, they've only been going for 10 minutes. Maybe I'll cut. And it started at the beginning. I was like, all right, cool. So they've they've changed that, and I don't think it lost a single thing from, you know, not being able to participate in a Twitter poll halfway through the show. Right. Uh, but uh, the reason I bring it up is that um, they talked about Mirror Colbert, and mm-hmm. uh, they had a design for it. He said they even made a costume. He tried it on, and then they made the decision to keep. Uh, Colbert's character pure and not let us see the evil version of him who's from the top from what they were saying kind of like a Dr. Mengele sort of thing um, and, uh, and but uh, Winston Win, uh, what's his what's his name the guy that plays Colbert Cruz. Uh, yeah Cruz yeah. Winston Winston Cruz I, Will, I, Wilson I, Cruz Wilson that's it um, he said that we haven't seen the last of him yeah, yeah. I've got a uh, quote from the the writers. Actually, have a quote about Colbert. They, I mean, they say that Col- Colbert is dead, but we will see him again. And they said this is uh, this is a love story that's going to transcend death, and there is much more story to tell for those two. And the science that the real life mycologist Paul Stamets has provided as a backdrop for our fictional Paul Stamets. And for our show, if the audience is concerned about what's going to happen to Culber, 
Dig deeper into the science of the mycelial network, and there are many clues in there. Okay, because Aaron, blah, 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 I forget his name, said uh, as much on, on the show last night. He said, read Paul Stamets' book. I'm like, no, I'm not <laughs> yeah, going to do not that, do but that. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He was an interesting guy well, when he was on After Track, but I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be digging into reading about mushroom spores. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> That's the good thing about Star Trek is someone will, and then I can just Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, who, Give me a five-minute YouTube wants to, video. About right? But who wants to spoil it? I mean, let, let's see what they do. I guess if you really are that dedicated that you want to know how they're going to do it, I'd rather be surprised or at least um, have it unfold instead of expect Oh, this is how, this is what they're gonna do. Because I, really yeah. I don't want to know. I really think the Stamets story is going to end the same way that the Tardigrade story ended, where he has to basically go mm-hmm. live in the my, mycelial network, and uh, and maybe that is kind of an afterlife. You know, maybe Colbert is there mm. or something like that. Yeah, they, so. Would that be a little too Decker nice. though? Do you think? I mean, because we, we we've sort of seen that. I mean, I guess it would be nice and if he's waiting for him there. I think that, honestly, I think that would be a little cheesy, but we'll see. <laughs> it's all in the execution, I guess. Uh, well, I'll, you know. go ahead, John. I think I think cheesy works in this show surprisingly because um, as as much as it is dark and it is cynical, um, love really is a powerful force. Um, love is what drives Laurel. Even though it didn't seem like love, I think it. I think it is love. I, my personal theory is the reason that Bach didn't come back completely was because Tyler exists enough to love Burnham. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, he he woke up a sleeping prince with a with a kiss. Uh, so I I think they, I mean, they're, obviously they're not heavy handed with it, but they do show that. Um, that kind of, you know, I don't want to keep saying love, but let's say powerful emotion and compassion and, and feeling for others. And in fact, that was kind of the speech that Burnham gave um, Tilly. It's like, I don't know how to be evil Tilly. It's like, well, you know, fortify yourself with the strength of the people around you. Mm. So they, they do have this, you know, almost kind of this, 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 I don't want to say Pollyanna either, but this optimistic, this very Starfleet perspective of optimism, um, it's just <laughs> it's just well shrouded, and and it, but it peeks through every once in a while. And but, I have uh, to say, you're right. That was my favorite my favorite uh, interaction on the show uh, last night was was that what Burnham told Tilly yeah. and how it helped her through because that was so quintessentially Star Trek. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming well, that eventually, well, I'm assuming that eventually we're going to meet the uh, the emperor. Do you yes. think that it's uh, <laughs> that it's Giorgio? No, you I, so? I well, my it first thought was that it's going to be Hoshi. That's what I want it to be because <laughs> I just I want an excuse to look at Linda Park. Yeah. So. Well, 127 year old Linda Park. Yeah, she have to be really not. old. Yeah, unless she found Can the kind of youth or something. Right. Well, or uh, as I said, I was talking to Rick on Facebook. I mean, 
they've always used the transporter all wrong on this show. Since you can keep your original pattern in the buffer, you can just yeah. use it as an eternal youth machine. So maybe Hoshi does, does that. Um, to put this in, in context, though, the last episode of Enterprise I saw was when I was doing the sort of that whole Mirror Universe rewatch to, to get the, the full thread of, of the Mirror Universe storyline. And I had to rewind a, a pivotal scene in the episode of Enterprise, I guess it was Mirror Darkly Part 1, because I was so distracted by how pretty Linda Park is <laughs> that I, I, did, I didn't hear a word anybody said. See, that, that's and, how and she, she works. That's why you yeah. did. <laughs> that's her whole MO. And uh, so if, if, they can bring, if they can bring her back for this, that's some fan service that I'm going to line up for seconds. Uh, that's all. <laughs> you know? I, I will say the theory I've heard that makes the most sense to me is that Giorgio will be the emperor and she will be a descendant of, uh, of Hoshi's. Well, that makes sense too. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, or it could be Snoke. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so universe, he's actually a badass. <laughs> oh, one other thing I want to say before we wrap this up is I love the uniforms. The armor oh, oh, is yeah. freaking awesome. Oh, I, I don't. Uh, I, <laughs> another another instance of Discovery's rampant over design, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. So many. Did you when Burnham was getting undressed? It took her thirty five minutes to take her outfit off. And she was still <laughs> half dressed. Right. Like, yeah. Okay. How pra- this is not practical in any way. Well, I think that they were they were saying on After Trek, and it makes sense that they, that basically they're they're always in a state of war. So they're always kind of armored, like because I mean, literally, an attack can come, you know, any minute. Is that why they always have a personal security guard? It's like a squire that has to get them into their into their suit of armor. (laughs) Yeah, well, Kira Kira wasn't wearing all that armor when (laughs) in the DS9 episodes. She she was just basically wearing a onesie. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, uh, but also at that point, the Terran Empire was kind of a joke, wasn't it? Right. So yeah. Okay, so so, uh, so the uh, predictions, like I said, my, my predictions is that we're going to find out that Lorca is probably from the Mirror Universe originally. I don't know how that's all going to play out, but I think that that's the reason he's been so protective of Burnham is because there's something he needs her to do there in that universe. And uh, also, I think that in the next couple of episodes, we're going to meet the Mirror versions of... Giorgio and Cornwell. And I know we're going to meet the mirror version of Sarek because I saw it on the commercial. So, uh, so that's, that's my uh, predictions. You guys have any? I, I'd like to see Linda Park and, um, if, if they can do it, why not, why not Shran? Uh, How long do Andorians live? Yeah. Get Jeffrey Coombs back. I'd love to see that too. You know, I'm all for Jeffrey Combs coming in to do anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's played so many characters on Star. They should just bring him in and just play a whole new character, and it would be great. So, I think that um, Stamets saying "Don't go into the palace, don't go into the palace." I think that's going to be like the season finale, where they confront the Empress or the Emperor. They well, have to go to the it, palace. I hope they do it before that. I don't. Know. I mean, I, I expect. Well, I mean, but the I season finale would be to end on a cliffhanger. But I hope that it's kind of like the Flash does with their cliffhangers, where they wrap everything up and then create a new cliffhanger before they go off. Close, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also I also like the idea that um, the the Terran Empire is like that. They've uh, one another one of the touchstone themes of of the show is um, xenophobia, and the, the mirror universe Terran Empire is is that like taken to the nth degree. Like it it, it shows. You know, if the if the if the Klingons get what got what they wanted, or or if the Vulcan separatists got what they wanted, if you really do create this bubble where everything that is other is to be killed or enslaved, like the mirror universe shows us that, and 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 again in a very Star Trek Star Trek way, um, showed that it is in fact nothing. Yeah. Hmm. Rick, anything? I. I'm 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 really loath to try to predict anymore because I'm always wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Although you know some of the things that they did, uh, you know, on this show, like I said, it were things I didn't want them to do, things that I had a feeling they were going to, uh, you know, mostly Mirror Universe and Ash being Vok. But I also said about Ash being Vok, if he is Vok, I want it to be to make sense, and it does. Um, You know, so they, they they satisfied me as far as making that make sense um and i like what they're doing with it i like the battle between the two personalities a lot uh as long as it doesn't turn into sort of a golem sort of thing <laughs> um <laughs> uh the, th- the thing that you know I'm, I'm a little torn because you know in our prime reality we've never heard of discovery we've never heard of the spore drive um you know that can be easily explained as discovery as a test vehicle, and and you know for black ops and stuff like that if we want to. Uh, but a big part of me is saying there is you know normally in a situation like this where you put your main cast and crew and ship in a completely different place, and their their goal is to get back, and you know eventually they're going to get back. I'm not so sure we can assume that. Because if the spore drive ends up doing something that makes the ship irrevocably lost, that would be a great explanation for why it never got further developed. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that we can assume they're going to get back to the prime universe. And what would that entail for the rest of for any continuing series? Are we going to get a, a new ship every series or – you know, I, I, I just don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't. That's even... why I, I can't imagine them staying in the prime universe for more than a few episodes. I see this as a very definite. The mirror arc. universe. And then uh, the yeah the mirror universe. Thanks, Sean. I see this as a very definite arc that's going to come to an end, and they're going to get back to the show as they promised, like the premise that they promised. Yeah. I. I You're I, probably I right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me because then it's completely off the rails. And what's the show about? Yeah. You know, did he, but you know, it'd be it'd be interesting to see what they do. Did anybody notice? This is just a, a a fun little thing that I that I noticed when I was watching it for the second time. Uh, Colbert, I keep calling him Colbert. I know it's Col it's Colbert, but um, he tells Ash that the name of the test that they do to find out if someone has been brainwashed is called the Manchurian test. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I thought that made me laugh because it was it's a, it's a whole Manchurian candidate kind of thing going on there. But, mm-hmm. yeah. So they're watching the Frank Sinatra version or the Denzel version. Denzel version is the only one that I've seen. So 
Oh. <laughs> by now, there's probably that's, like a Benzite who's played the role or something. Yeah. <laughs> first was really good. Sinatra first was really good. Yeah, and I like that they address the. Well, we tested him. Like we 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 checked his medical. We tested his his brain. It's not like they didn't do due diligence, but Laurel is Laurel, and she anticipated what their test would test for. Mm. Now, did anyone else notice? And I, I, I just caught this on the second viewing. How similar the scene between uh, uh, Burnham and Ash at the end of the episode where she's just like cradling him and hit the look on his face. How almost mirrored a similar scene between Laurel and Vok. And I, mm-hmm. I just wrote down it. Both Ash and Vok are suckers for the strong babes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't notice that. That does make sense. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice that particular scene, but I. I but I do think that you know we're going to end up with a love quadrangle. I guess. Well, that's with, that's going to be the interesting, uh, I guess, conflict for Ash slash Vok going forward because obviously Vok loves Laurel and Laurel loves him. And, you know, Burnham and Tyler are an item as well. So how does he reconcile that? It's well, going to be neat to see. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> My theory is that uh, Ash is going to survive. Possibly at least part of Vok will survive. I don't think Laurel is going to survive this season. I think Laurel is probably... She may even... If she if she loves Vok as much as she says she does, she may even sacrifice herself for him in some way, you know. So I really hope that Ash continues to be a character on the show after this season, because it, it you could easily say, well, when Vok comes out, that's the end of Ash. But there's no reason why they can't say that Ash's personality wins out in the end, you know, and Is possibly possibly I- wrong, uh, part of part of Vok may survive as well. And, and like, like Chris said earlier, but they'll have this, uh, dueling personality next season. Is it wrong that uh, like between the two, I would rather see Laurel stay on the show than Tyler. <laughs> if, if someone has to die, I think Laurel is just way more interesting. And I don't dislike Tyler at all. Like I, I, I like them both, but if, if it's a question of, you know, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. Um, I think Tyler or Vok sacrificing himself for Laurel is a meteor storyline. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Hmm. The only reason I don't go that way is because I think that next season is not going to be about the Klingons. I think it's going to be about something else. So they're, they might want to move away from Laurel. So I don't know. Well, I want her to be on the ship. Like as basically the same way that Burnham was on the ship as unofficial but holder of information and skills that we need. Yeah, that would be I interesting. That if, they, if, they, if they found a way to to work her into the into the crew, but I I don't trust her <laughs> myself. She just seems like she's I don't know. Like you can't trust her. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, meteor. And does that break canon? I mean, a Klingon serving on a Federation vessel before yeah, that Worf. Would be, 
If, if you think the gatekeepers are whining now. Yeah, forget well, about I mean, it. Well, if, but, the, I mean, but, if, like you said, if the Discovery never comes back, then nobody ever knew about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I want to see the, the Laurel Gek uh, comedy hour. <laughs> <laughs> and if she's serving, serving? If she's, if she's in a cell, you know, providing information, what was the catch me if you can? Like, it's, I think, there's like some... Hannibal Lecter. Oh, yeah. No, was, well, well there's... Yeah, I mean, like, if she's on a cell, if she's in a cell, but she's providing information, and they eventually kind of trust her more like one of the crew, it, uh, you know, she's not a member of Starfleet. She's certainly not an officer, but, you know, she's a... Uh... Let me introduce you to the ship's pet Klingon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is our mascot, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got to say one thing that I'm going to give the show props for is um, now that the two sort of big reveals, the Mirror Universe and the the Vok Ash thing, have have finally been been put out there, I have no fucking clue where this thing is going, and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I you said it. I, I totally agree with every word you just said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it when a show can make me go. You know, I mean, it's been doing this all along. If you know, hey, I thought this was going to happen, but wow, did it not! <laughs> and uh, and I just love the way, even even when they do kind of live up to some of our predictions, uh, they're they're doing it in such a great way that uh, I'm I'm on board. Yeah, because they do things that we kind of thought that they were going to do, but once they do it, you're like, well, what are they going to do now? You <laughs> know, I don't know where it's going to go from this point. You know. Hmm. Well, and the thing is, I, I was having a discussion with with someone who was uh, they weren't exactly complaining about it, but they were saying, you know, this was a little weak. This was a little weak. And I had to remind them and myself, too. You know, this is the first season of this show. Mm-hmm. How many Star Trek shows aside from TOS have had this strong of a first season? True. Yeah, that was episode number 10, right? Yeah. 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 We're 10 episodes in. Like I'm, I'm watching, I'm rewatching DS9. It's, I mean, and, and that's that is my favorite Star Trek show, and it, you know, it really takes off like season three. Yeah, yep. Like it, it gets to this level season three, which is what is that? Forty episodes in. <laughs> you know, we have not had to say Alamoraine yet on this show, and so I'm. <laughs> <laughs> and let's hope we never do. <laughs> I was looking to see. Uh, what the tenth episode of the Next Generation was, because obviously we're a lot further. Let's see, episode ten of the Next Generation was hiding Q, so that's as far as we had gotten, as far as character development and all that was uh, was hiding Q. By and that, that was one of the weakest Q episodes, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It, it is my least favorite. Is that the one that's got uh, the the other Q in it? The um, no, or is that the one with no. the little girl? That's the one. Oh. I don't know which one I'm thinking of. No, this was the one where Q makes Worf or makes Riker a Q Riker. for a couple oh, of minutes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Worf gets stabbed with a bayonet. Wesley huh. gets stabbed with a bayonet too, which was kind of fun to watch. But <laughs> <laughs> you guys are hating on Will Wheaton. He's gonna get People you. No, I, <laughs> no I love I, Will Wheaton. I, never I just understood. I never understood didn't like Wesley. Wesley. I never understood the hate for Wesley. I didn't hate him. I just didn't like him. Did you guys see the the, the Lego figures that somebody released? Uh, I mean, they weren't real. They were. It's like somebody photoshopped some Lego figures of the next generation, and they made a Wesley yeah. one, and he was he was crying, and uh, and Will Wheaton went off. <laughs> he was not happy. 
Well, he he kind of didn't go off. He no, just oh. he, he was he was missing. He was misquoted. He All just, right. Um, which which I'm I'm sorry about this. I don't mean to interrupt, but I was just looking. I was told, I was playing Sean's game. Which episode ten is the stronger episode ten? Um, this one or season one episode ten of the original series, the Corbinite Maneuver. Corbinite Maneuver. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we're talking about stellar episode ten. So, yeah. So. <laughs> well, well wow. that's why that's why I accepted TOS from because I you know they didn't they had their problems in season three. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because but also, for all wasn't intents a, and purposes, know, they weren't pro- supposed to have a season three. They thought, I mean, they were going to be canceled, and then the letter writing yeah. campaign and all that. So, it's apropos of nothing, I didn't mean to bring the show to a grinding halt. No. <laughs> 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 all right, that's right. your show, man. I like... guess that's a good place to that's a good place to stop. I want to remind everyone that um, we have another podcast that comes out every week where we talk about other stuff besides Star Trek, and uh, we'd love for you to check that out. It's Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, and you'll find us over at uh, CosmicPotato.com. And as far as this show, uh, you'll always find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Audio Boom, and over at SimplySyndicated.com. And you'll also find a ton of great podcasts about all kinds of topics. And while you're there, you should think about joining Simply Everything, where... Uh, what is it about eight dollars a month, Rick? For us, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 eight pounds a month, so whatever that okay. becomes. Yeah, and uh, that'll get you their entire back catalog of shows, and it's a lot of shows because Simply Syndicate has been around for over a decade. So um, you can shake a stick at it, but it would take you a while. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're on Facebook. We have a group, and it was called Fans of Simply Kent Syndicate's Discovery After Show. I changed it today. Now the name of the group is just Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. And uh, we're trying to build a community for the listeners where you can you can go there and you can tell us what you thought of this episode of Star Trek. You can tell us what you thought of this episode of the podcast. And you can uh, give us uh, ideas of what you thought of, of everything. And uh, you can also leave us a text message or you can leave us a voicemail. All you got to do is call area code 205-642-8380 and I'll play those messages on the air or I'll play, you know, as many as we can on the air. And uh hey, you could be the first one to do it. Call now. No, we've had we've had one. We've had one. We had one? Yeah, early oh, in the yeah. show we had one. Um I think I may have actually we may have had this exact same conversation before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we you could be the second one to do it. <laughs> and everybody that sends us a text message or a voicemail or writes on the Facebook group or leaves us an iTunes review, I'm going to put all those names into a drawing and you will win a Discovery-related prize of some kind. It was going to be a book, but uh, Rick didn't <laughs> like the books. <laughs> so we, went, we didn't want to say, here, have take this book that rick didn't like <laughs> just because rick didn't like it doesn't mean that you won't yeah, like it mean, it's not I mean, it's not rick, bad rick, for all we know, rick has shit taste in books for all i we do know. i'm terrible <laughs> <laughs> well rick's not a fan of star trek novels that's been established anyway so. yeah well they, uh, there you go yeah. so i am yeah. so I'm, I'm not the best judge for that so i'll anyway. tell you what if you win i'll come wash your car you just have to get me there. <laughs> I was about to say some of, the, some of our listeners. People. Some of our listeners are in the UK. So, <laughs> all right, pretty, pretty sneaky. I, I think we should try to get a, a, like a discovery fidget spinner, but I'm afraid you would like 
teleport every time he used it. <laughs> take you to the mirror universe. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you, Sean, for having me. I just want to invite everybody to uh, check out my website. It's deflipside.com. There you'll find episodes of the radio show that I do monthly here on a radio station on Long Island for a science fiction program. And my latest couple of uh, segments have been about Star Trek, uh, the most recent being about Tarantino taking on the next Star Trek feature film. So go over there to flipside, D-E-F-L-I-P-S-I-D-E.com and have a listen, please. Okay. And John, always good to talk to you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. And Rick, always a pleasure. Quack. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully I'll have my voice back next time. (laughs) That'll do it for this episode of the show. We'll be back next week to review the next episode, which is titled The Wolf Inside. So we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Peace. Thank you for joining us for Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. Your feedback is welcome. Leave us a comment and review on iTunes, or follow us on Facebook. The views and opinions stated on this program are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of Simply Syndicated, CBS, Paramount Pictures, or their sponsors. Star Trek Discovery is owned by CBS and has no affiliation with Simply Syndicated or this podcast. No infringement of copyrighted material is intended. Be sure to join us again next week as we analyze another episode of Star Trek Discovery here on Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. All right. That was good. Yeah. That was a good episode. I mean, it's just, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I feel I, like it was, it was so, so heavy with setup. That it, it's hard to do anything but speculate. So I, I, I think you're going to have nothing but interesting, rich things to discuss going forward, you lucky, lucky podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it when a show does what you think it's going to do, but still surprises you. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, the I, I as as emotional as I am, uh, I am not one given to sudden emotional outbursts especially when watching a tv show or a movie something other than a chuckle or a laugh or something and i literally yelled holy shit when they killed gulber last night yeah i said the same thing can i tell you something that was the scene that affected me least i don't know why maybe because it just came out of left field nothing built towards it and it was just like oh okay he's dead (laughs) i I don't know why it just it didn't affect me in really any way he was just in somewhere in a file in my head as one of the safe characters uh, well, yeah. and and it was so you know it's not like there was a fight first. It's not like because at, at that point, you know, Vuk is on Vuk is only half surfaced, occasionally surfaced, and so so that's the first time his identity is threatened. So you literally have no idea how he'll react. Yeah, and it was so fast and so permanent. Like I I thought it might be like a. Like, I've, uh, like he might knock him out, uh, you know. I I was not expecting him to kill him. Yeah, I wasn't either. Yeah, it took me by surprise. And like I said, I just did not expect him to go to that level that fast. You know, I I had no doubt that he would probably get to that level once Vok really came out. Right. But yeah, but but the funny thing is, you remember Vok is not a warrior. 
He was he was he was a, a what, like a priest you know, and an acolyte. Yeah, he wasn't so he wasn't part of the warrior cast. So it, it's interesting that his first move is to snap a neck like that. That's that's more Worf than Vok. This, yeah, this is this is redesigned Vok. This is Vok 2.0. Yeah, he's got yeah, something Vok. to prove now. <laughs> Vok in a corner. Right? Well, I mean, he, he's, he's all. I mean, I'm I'm sure you know if you're if you're going in and you're changing someone's body and changing someone's mind, you know why not you know go all demolition man on them and, and soup up their fighting skills and all that jazz. Yep. <laughs> well, alrighty. Turn the recorder back on. We got to get this shit on tape. <laughs> I'm I didn't still, turn it off. I'm still recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we have some after credits. Uh, my goodness here. My so. Skype recorder records until I hang up. So yeah. <laughs>